Welcome to the Miracle Channel podcast. Every week, you'll hear powerful messages from world-renowned pastors that air on Miracle Channel, Canada's 24-7 Christian TV station. And if you want to watch more of their messages anytime you want, check out our online streaming service, Corco Plus. Follow the link in our show notes to create a free account in three simple steps. Today on the podcast, you'll hear a message from Leon Fontaine. Leon is senior pastor of Springs Church with locations across Canada. He's also been Miracle Channel CEO since 2010. Leon's teaching will help you develop your own personal relationship with Jesus and walk in God's promises. You can watch his program, Leon Fontaine, The Spirit Contemporary Life, weekdays on Miracle Channel. In this message, Leon Fontaine digs deeper into how the miraculous is more attainable in our everyday lives than we think. Let's dive into the message. What is a miracle? Well, how would you define miracle? We've got kind of, for every mile of truth, there's two miles of ditch. So on one side of the religious spectrum, we've got mystical people. This is, I mean, you never know what God's going to do, but God's in control. You never know what God's going to do. And we just pray, bug, plead, you know, you know, cry a little bit if you can, and, and that'll move God. God's got to move, and there's different ways to get God. That's kind of the mystical approach. Okay, but then way over on the other side, we've got the reasoning, the intellectual approach. And that's now that we've got the five sciences and we can do studies on this and we can do tests and things. And if you can't prove it to me in a lab and we can't have before and after studies and walk it through and prove it with all the equipment that we have, I'm not going to believe it. And, or, or they have to believe miracles that way. And so neither works. In fact, when you study Jesus, this amazing man that walked the planet, history proves that. He didn't get mystical. He was not weird. He was not ooh. And at the same time, he didn't sit down and teach people for 42 hours all the incredible languages and Aramaic and, and well, that's what they spoke. But I mean, he didn't go in and teach the five tabern the, the, the feasts of the tabernacle and all this deep teaching. He was very simple. He would say things like, just keep believing. Don't let fear in. Believe. He would tell stories that, like stories about dirt and seeds, and he'd talk about lambs and shepherds. And because he was talking to an agricultural society, he would try to help them connect somehow to the miraculous realm. And you'll notice the miraculous realm doesn't touch us through our head, which is where we have reasoning. It's where our intellect is. It, it doesn't come from our feelings, which can be all over the place any given time and change every three minutes. But there was something else. And the Bible calls this the heart. It's, there's a lot spoken about in the Bible about the heart. And there's lots of confusion about it. Now, the heart is the center of your belief system. What do you believe? The heart is where your identity is. What you believe about yourself. And it's interesting that when you study even today, that a lot of us... We read the stories about Jesus, but we can't really connect because I'll bet you most of us here have never even planted a garden. Well, a few of you, okay. But I'll bet you two-thirds of us don't even know about seeds and soil. And so as he's teaching on the miraculous world, it's not a language or it's, they're, they're not analogies or stories that we even relate to. But today, did you know that even science is beginning to show us that there's something about a human being that is different? Example, you know, we've got quantum mechanics, and quantum mechanics is a fundamental theory in physics. 
And they will tell you point blank that consciousness affects the subatomic field. We've studied atoms. We know there are atoms out there, but there are subatomic particles. And they've proven with quantum physics that there is that consciousness affects it. Well, the Bible's been saying that for years, that what you believe, what you feel, what you think, what you, that there's something about a human being that changes. I spent seven years as a paramedic working out of a hospital. And because I worked out of the hospital, they used me in the ORs and in the recess rooms where people would be brought in with heart attacks. And Doctors who, you know, we've got doctors that attend here and they're awesome people, but some of them are like little demigods, you know, when you go into the hospital, they think they're, they're all that in a bag of chips. And uh, they think everything can be explained through medicine, but what, what I saw was perfectly healthy people with minor surgeries dying and they have no idea what happened. And then they do post-mortem, they couldn't figure out what happened. And they would talk about, there's just some people that they've got fear. And other people, they, they knew they were going to die. There was no way to keep living. And they would make it. And they would talk about things like a phenomenon, like I had a great will to live. Uh, they'd talk about love because it was a mom that beat something because she had it. And this, this is a nebulous area the doctors can't put their finger on. Yet they all know that phenomenons happen. You talk to anybody in any science and they'll tell you there's so many things they don't understand. What is going on on the inside of a person? And so maybe just a thought, maybe the Bible is pretty accurate at saying that we are spirits living in a body, that we have a mind, and that there is power and ability in the spirit world. But if we're just going to go religious, then we think God's in control. You're like a puppet on a string. And everything that happens to you is God. Everything that doesn't happen to you is God. As though God is going to favor one of you and not the other. So he was going, mm, let's see. You can be rich. Wealth. You're going to be poor. Sucker. Poor guy. Boom. Poverty. No, God's no respecter of persons. So it doesn't make sense. When people say, God's in control. He's got the whole world in his hands. Really? Millions of babies died last year. How can God be in control? And so, now I don't have time to drive down a lot of these errors. I simply want to talk to you about the word miracle. Because the Christian world and the religious world, amongst all religions, believes that a miracle is when a force like God overrides physical laws. And it just, and a miracle happens. But... That's actually not what the Bible says. In fact, I'm going to read you in the Greek word that we pull it from, the word that is used for the word miracle. Now, there are two of them. Uh, one of them is the word dunamis or dynamite, and the other one means signs and wonders. And they're both used a lot in the New Testament. Now, this word for miracle doesn't say it's where God appears and does something and he overrides all the laws of nature, all the laws of health, all the laws of physics, all the laws of science, all the laws of psychology. And boop, you got a miracle. You got your prize. Good on you. One for you. No, here's what it says. A miracle, okay, is strength, power, and ability. It is inherent power residing in a thing by virtue of its nature. All right, when you give your life to Christ, a new nature comes in. The one of fear and sin that controls people is gone. And you have a new nature of love and ability, strength and power. So this new nature. And then it says that this power of which a person can exert it and put it forth. Well, that's not at all what we've all kind of learned through religion. That we pray, bug, plead, you know, do hand out tracts, give more money, do something to appease this stubborn God to release a miracle. But the very term itself 
is talking about that within a person who is a believer in Christ, there is a power residing within you by virtue of that nature, his nature, and that you can literally exert that power, that force. You know, the Bible actually has a ton of verses that where Jesus says in John chapter 14, the things that I do shall you do also. Did you know that when Jesus became a human being, you know, he gave up any of his extra power, and he functioned, and he was to show us what a person operating with God's power could do on this planet. There are many incredible verses, like when you go to Proverbs chapter uh, 4, verse 20 to 24, it says that stay in God's word, focus on God's word, and it'll bring health to your body. Then it says guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the forces of life. There are forces that flow from us. We think they flow from heaven. But even Romans 8 says that if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, it quickens your mortal body. This is beginning to show us that we are somehow off the rails of just praying to this stubborn God and we have to do more, we got to please him somehow. Uh, when literally everything that the word is teaching is that there's a power force within you. It's Jesus. It's Holy Spirit. But that there's something we need to do to have this force flow out. And when you study the New Testament, the book of Acts and on, you don't find them praying for miracles. You find them just literally speaking in a natural way, just believing things would take place. And they happened. You know, there's a, a verse in Matthew chapter 12 and verse uh, the entire chapter talks about the heart. But one of these verses says that a good man from the good deposits of his heart brings forth good things. And that an evil man from evil deposits, and it doesn't mean evil there as in, you know, he's an axe murderer. It's just saying that you, you allow doubt and unbelief in. In fact, when you study Jesus doing miracles, you know what's interesting? You don't find him giving a lot of reasons why people weren't walking out a miracle or a recovery or, a, or something beginning to turn out for your best. He would always just kind of say two simple things. Believe and don't doubt in your heart. He'd talk about fear. And heart is a deeper belief. Now, in the Bible, your heart is like I was saying earlier, is, is what you believe about you. Are you a winner? Are you a loser? Are you a, a, a good person? Are you an evil person? And, and say, well, and we'll, I'm going to be honestly on, I'm a jerk. No, just a minute. Whoa, whoa. When you give your life to Christ, you have a new nature. And you must start acknowledging that new nature, even if you're failing in multiple fronts. To acknowledge that, that you are now, his presence is within you. He has forgiven you. You are born again. You have a brand new start. Who wouldn't say, if I could have a brand, if I could do it all over again, how would I change how I treated my spouse, how I raised my kids, how I handled that financial? We'd all say yes. And he's saying, I'm going to give you a fresh start. And when he comes in, these miracles that we need aren't deterred. You're not waiting. When someone says to me, I don't know why God hasn't healed me yet, I know they don't even understand doctrine yet. Because the book of Peter teaches us that when you give your life to Christ, that he knows the future. And he has placed within you all that you need for every situation you will face. Peter says that he's give, God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, you've got the power to live morally, right? And love it and laugh and enjoy it. You've got the power to change, to grow, and that he's already past tense given it to you. So within you is all that you're going to need. 
Do you know how that makes you feel when you begin to read the Bible and go, he's placed his power within me. There's, he says that every storm that comes my way, that he has already defeated it. And when you begin to realize that, all of a sudden, it's not, I'm going to walk around, I sure hope God shows up because i got a really big problem. i got a sick kid, i got a sick wife, I gotta, I'm going to go bank, I'm going to lose everything. God, where are you? Oh God, help me, please, God. No. That's not the way the New Testament is teaching us. It is saying, now, here's another interesting thing about Proverbs 4.23, where it's teaching us that guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the boundaries of life. The word forces and the word boundaries both are the same there. Now, get your brain wrapped around this. Your beliefs that come from your heart create the boundaries of where healing stops, where prosperity stops, where happiness stops. And, and the problem with that is that none of us have determined our core beliefs. We know by age six that all of your beliefs about yourself, your actual personality and your deepest beliefs are determined by age six. Okay? So, Leon, I, I didn't decide any of the beliefs that I've got. That's right. Parents, grandparents, religion is a big one, schooling, uh, the culture you grew up in helped establish. Were you treated bad? Were you treated good? Were you told you're the black sheep of the family? You're a liar. You're a loser. What are the things that took place that form these beliefs that become your core beliefs? These core beliefs create the boundaries that your life is now living by. You might look at others and go, they're so lucky. No, they probably have a boundary way beyond yours when it comes to finances. Maybe you've gone through 14 relationships and you can't make any of them work so you just give up you're called to be single because good lord you're a lousy relationship person no that's because somewhere in the beliefs of your heart you don't believe you can you don't believe you are it's an, your core beliefs are your identity beliefs and until those change you will struggle even though you've been given the kingdom even though you have everything smith wigglesworth i believe it was him was an, an older evangelist years ago from England, phenomenal ministry of miracles. And he, it was him or one of the other guys was telling the story uh, of how he walked into this room, this, this old home, to pray for this elderly lady, living in real poverty and not having much. And as he went in there to talk with her, she was in the, the washroom. And, and uh, when she came out, he was kind of just looking at the pictures on her wall, and he saw this one uh, picture, and it was framed and he says, do you know what this is? And she goes, yes, I worked my whole life for this very wealthy uh, merchant man. And, you know, when, uh, when he died and they left me this, this document, just, you know, and she just couldn't read. This was years ago. And he says, no, it, it, it actually says here that he left it to you. She goes, what? He says, this, this, is, this is a will and a testament. And it's saying in this thing that you put in a nice little frame, thinking it was cute, it tells you that this is all yours. And you've been living in poverty even though you are a multi-millionaire. Many Christians are like that. They've never taken the time to read the Bible and understand how amazing it is. And, and so they live at a level of life so low, they think it's all about what you can't do, what you can do, and it's all about all these laws and legalistic, and we watch religion just suck the life out of us. Or it's like the guy who got on a ship, and he wanted to come to America, and he didn't have the money. And so he saved everything he had. He just barely could afford the ticket. He got the ticket, and all he had money for was just food. And I said, how am I going to go for a couple of weeks on this ocean voyage with no food? So he bought as much cheese, the, the oldest cheese and biscuits he could find, and he, and he had them with him, and he packed them 
into his, his, uh, his little cubicle that he had gotten. And so every day he would walk by the dining room of these big ships where everybody's eating beautifully and wonderfully. And, and he just wished he could go in there. I mean, there was roast lamb and, and I mean, all the great food. And he'd go back to his little cabin and he would portion out. He had exactly how many days this little bit of cheese. And he's so hungry one day he's had enough. He's about to go crazy. I'm going to run in there. I'm going to eat as fast as I can. I'm going to put as much food down as I can. And if they put me in jail, they got to let me out when I get to America anyway. So, I'm, so he walks in there, he looks around, and he runs to a table, and he sits down, and he just starts eating and eating. And the, the captain walks over, and he says, Mr. So-and-so, is it ever good? He thought he was going to get arrested. It's so good to see you here today. And he goes, it is? Yeah, he said, like, I wondered why we never saw you in the dining hall. And well, sorry, sir, but I only had enough for my ticket. And he says, so I've got crackers and cheese to get me across to America, and, and I'm sorry, I know this is wrong. He goes, sir, sir, what, what are you talking about? Included in the price of the ticket is all the meals. You see, when it comes to serving Jesus, we live far below what he intends us to live, but it's not his will how low you live. It's not his best how far down you go. It's not him making all these incredible judgments and rules as though you have to, you know, that your life is going to be this religious monk living on an island. No, he's got a way for you to live that's beautiful and better than anything you could do. And so when you go to God's word, I've, you know, I, I could unpack verse after verse after verse to prove the few stories I just told you, but the stories stick better. Recognize that if something isn't going in the direction you desire, and it's good, and it's your desire that it's not God withholding it from you. It's not the devil as though he's so powerful. He has the ability to stop you when Jesus defeated him. But the Bible is the software program for you, the hardware. And as you begin to realize how much he loves you, cares for you, that when it comes to the miraculous, it's not sitting around waiting for God, but that whatever miracles do or don't happen, somehow, now don't get guilty or feel beat up by this, that if God's already done the miracles, every miracle you'll ever need, financially, physical, mentally, relationally, he's already given you the power, the presence of God, the miracles you need, then somehow we've lost the ability to connect from, from our heart. Because the language of our heart is not reasoning. It's not mystical. The language of our heart is more perceiving things. It's more this ability to see. You see, with your memory, you rewind into your past. With your imagination, you fast forward into your future. But the fast forward button of your future is all controlled by the beliefs of your heart. I'm talking really fast and I'm getting through this stuff. But I just want to accomplish one thing with this message today. I want you to know how much God loves you. How much the plan for your life is beyond anything you could imagine according to Ephesians 3. And if it's not, there's nothing outside of you. You didn't, you see, if bad things have happened to you, hurt has happened to you, you've had a horrible life. Listen to me. You aren't probably responsible for much of what got you there. Okay, maybe there's beliefs and heartaches and hurts and brokenness that cause you to act that way, think that way. It affects what you reach for, etc. But now, wherever you are, you're the only person that can help you go live the things God has prepared for you. So get into his word. And when you give your life to Jesus, he comes in, he forgives, he washes you clean. But it's more than that. He begins to help you expand your boundaries of this little Life. All you can have is six. You can't have your cake and eat it too. You know, all these dumb beliefs. Murphy's Law says things are going so good, something's got to go bad. Who made these stupid things up? People who experience it. 
But your experiences can change by heart beliefs. And the Bible's the most profound. Of all the religions that I've studied, of all the things that I've read, I've never found anything as beautiful as the Bible, as incredible as the Bible. And as psychology and physics and the sciences all begin to learn more, we find that it is so true. It's not wrong to turn to God and say, Jesus, you're my answer. I was on a plane with a guy, and brilliant man, and we had an interesting conversation. He was telling me how, but he doesn't have, he said, I, I, I envy you because you have faith. He said, I don't have faith. And so I thought, hmm. And so he, we talked, I talked about what the Bible says about creation and God. And he had all these questions. And I'd kind of answer them with what I thought, but I couldn't answer all those questions. And so I said, you know, instead of you just tearing apart, you know, what I believe, what do you believe? Well, you know, you know, I really don't know. I said, no, no. I said, you're, you're, you're pretty good at analyzing what you do and don't believe about Christianity. What do you believe? Well, you know, Leon, I'm searching. Oh, that's, that's everybody says that I talk to, but then they take apart whatever I share. What, what's the best shot you have as to where does the world come from? Is there a God? Well, you know, he says, I guess, he's a brilliant man. I, I guess I would tend to go with that, you know, we were seeded from another planet. And I went, seeded? from another planet. Okay, so a spaceship came from another galaxy and did something on the planet to put mankind here. Yeah. I said, so where did those people come from? And I began to examine his beliefs. And he realized really quickly he didn't know what to believe. You know, I've, I've, I've interviewed some of the most brilliant minds on the planet on our TV shows. Thousands of scientists believe in creation and laugh at evolution. We keep thinking that now people are just, you know, that all the smartest minds laugh at Christians. No, no, they don't. I have, I have literally interviewed some of those brilliant people on this planet. And after looking at evolution, looking at the Big Bang, look at all this stuff, we understand that science knows a ton of stuff, but they can't interpret creation, where life comes from. You know, what's the purpose of life, the meaning of life? When I die, am I just dead like a dog, or does the me keep going on somewhere? The Bible answers all these problems. No other religion does. So it's not a religion. God wants a relationship with us. And this thing called a miracle that you need, stop begging, bugging, and pleading and hoping that God interrupts all the physical laws and recognize that within you is the strength, the helper, Holy Spirit, and that he will help you and guide you, that he'll flow through you, that life, and it, 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 it looks so miraculous. And, and I use the word miracles, and I'm, I'm starting to be careful because I'm finding people's definition of the word miracle is they're waiting for God. I'm going, what are you waiting for? He already gave it to you. So now what do I do? Leon, how do I exert the presence of God? Well, instead of confessing it until you get it done, instead of being as good as you can to make God do it, instead, the Bible teaches us to believe it from the heart. Corinthians says, do not look at the things that are seen, but look at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are, they're terminal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. In other words, what, what do you see when you say, God, I pray for my marriage? Do you see the laughter and the joy? Are you having a hard time getting past the bitterness and the heartache? When you pray about career and family, you know, the Bible says seeing with the eyes of faith is believing that God has blessed me and he's placed something within me. And when I look ahead into my future, which is what imagination is, I see healing, I see laughter, I see joy. Thanks for joining us today. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast to hear more great messages from inspiring teachers like Leon Fontaine. 
Rate this podcast and write a review if you haven't already. And share this message so others can be encouraged by this teaching too. So subscribe, rate, review, and share. We hope you were inspired by today's message. God bless.